This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome into another Miami Dolphins podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a loaded, loaded show for May 16th. We're shuffling offensive linemen left and right. Rookie Manny Camp has already come and gone, so we're going to jump into some of our favorite quotes about that. But before we get into all this news, all these notes about the Miami Dolphins, I have to welcome in my co-host, Joshua. What's going on today, my friend? Nothing at all, man. Got the baby to nap. Kids are playing with an iPad, sharing it pretty well for now. So we're on here to talk Dolphins football, man. How have you been? I'm good, and you know, there's a... A little bit of havoc going on on Dolphins Twitter because um, the team has decided to make some moves over the past couple of days. And I feel people are kind of getting a little out of control with what's happening here. So let's start at the let's start at the start. How about that? So on Saturday, Josh, the Dolphins released three undrafted linemen, Jarrett Horst, Alex Jensen and DJ Scaffy. Might be pronouncing that wrong. I apologize. Don't, don't ask me. <laughs> I'm the worst <laughs> <Touché>. with names. <laughs> They were released one day into the three-day rookie mini camp. So, Josh, I want to ask you right away, what would what do you think that test was that those three guys might have messed up on or, or kind of missed the loop? Was it as simple as just reading assignments? Or, or what do you think Mike McDaniel maybe put these guys through that, that, that gave them this inkling or indication? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Merrick may have suggested they were, you know, late for curfew or something. Maybe they came into the camp overweight. But I mean, we talked about Jared Horst on our podcast, right? I mean, we saw the film. Mm -hmm. He was kind of a gritty, you know, mean type of offensive lineman that we thought at least would stick around longer than what one day. So um, I guess maybe eventually we'll hear what they did or, you know, what they couldn't do. But I really have no idea, man. Do you have any wild conspiracy tin hat theories as to why they're gone already? Oh man, I have no idea. I wonder if it was just terminology. If they walked into the building and uh, you know they just maybe had two, spoke two sentences and they all kind of looked at it like it was another language and they decided to go a different route. 
And Josh, I think it's important to keep in mind, these are undrafted free agents, right? They're the expectations, you're setting the bar uh, that you're hoping maybe practice squad, hoping maybe one of those final roster squad roster spots as depth, but you're not really expecting, you know, Jarrett Horst to come in and, and compete for a starting job. So that's kind of where your mindset starts, right? You're developing this 90-man roster. It's the middle of May, and you're working towards those uh, July OTAs. Who do we need there? Who can really uh, improve this team? Who can improve the players around them? So the Dolphins responded by cutting three offensive linemen by adding two, two former first round picks. Josh on Sunday, it was announced that Isaiah Wynn. if you recognize that name, it's because he was on the new England Patriots for what, four or five years, something like that struggled with injuries. And then Josh on Monday, the team added another first round pick, uh, Cedric Oboehi. So Josh, the first thing I saw on Twitter was people getting a little riled up, a little concerned about these two signings. And I guess the implication was that these guys will be competing for starting jobs. Uh, but I want to ask you if you had that same thought and if you kind of had that same initial reaction. Yeah, I mean, I guess initially my thought was, and I think we even mentioned his name on the one of the previous pods about some of those guys that are out there. I mean, without looking at the tape, I heard the name Isaiah Wynn and I thought, okay, this guy was a starter in New England. You know, he can play tackle. I played a little bit of right tackle last year, could also play guard. I thought, you know, that he was a relatively solid starter. And when you look at the numbers, when he's healthy, I mean, I guess that's the nice way to put it. So, um, I think they're going to come in here and compete. We talk about it all the time. You know, they're sitting here trying to get the best five offensive linemen out there. You have to imagine that Isaiah Wynn a former first-round pick as well, and Cedric Obwehi, glad you have that there. I did look it up before we came on here. Um, you have to think that both those guys can do more than, you know, any of those undrafted guys could have contributed. So um, the money isn't crazy. I don't think we have – Obway, he's contract yet, but we did see this morning that Wynn's making one year $2.3 million with a max value of $2.7 million with incentives. Again, this was a guy that moved to right tackle last year, did struggle a little bit at that new position. Competition's a good thing, and when you sit here and look at the way this offensive line is, look at what the Miami Dolphins did in the draft. I mean, you have to hope that, you know, all these little pieces that Chris Greer's trying to bring in, all these warm bodies that at least one of these guys can be capable of improving that offensive line. But uh, yeah, man, Twitter's in a little bit of disarray. Everyone wants Cameron Fleming, wanted this guy or that guy. Based on the guys that are out there, I think Isaiah Wynn was a pretty solid signing. Saw some Obwehi tape this morning that CK Parrott uh, threaded. And I mean, he was just getting beat left and right. But again, new situation, new team. Who knows what this coaching staff can bring out of these guys? I don't hate it. What about you, man? I think there's a very large distance between impacting the offensive line and starting on the offensive line. I think what we have here are two guys who have been in the league for five plus years, two guys who have experience playing in the NFL. Yes, the numbers are not great, but Josh, when we were speaking about how the team can still improve this offensive line, we always preface it with one thing, and that's we have to wait till June 1st in order to get that Byron Jones money. However, both of these signings, and I said the same thing for Tyler Kraft when that signing happened. Josh, these are beyond cheap signings. These are guys that we spoke about how Chris Greer needs to identify strengths for this team and go and attack those. These are guys that are on pennies for the dollar. To have the expectation that we signed the Miami Dolphins, I didn't I didn't pay anything, uh, signed Isaiah Wynn to $2.3 million to start at like right tackle, that just sounds crazy. That just does not make any sense. Is it possible that, hey, he stays healthy and develops into a right tackle and competes with Austin Jackson? Absolutely. We said it with undrafted guys. You're looking for guys who can hopefully stick on the roster, bolster that depth. And, you know, 
Isaiah Wynn, I think his best year here was 2020, where he started at left tackle. Uh, he allowed three total sacks and 16 pressures. Uh, but man, like nobody is coming out and saying these guys are great. But what we're seeing is the Dolphins would rather trust veterans over these undrafted guys when it comes to we need a spot start here. We need, you know, uh, three games because Austin Jackson has a toe in, whatever it may be. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that a guy like Wynn brings to the table. We mentioned him being solid at left tackle. I mean, we hope that we don't have to really worry there too much. I mean, but as we've seen, Teron Armstead's likely going to miss some games. But then he also looked pretty well at left guard when he played there. I asked the Patriots fan, um, you know, his thoughts in this situation. He says definitely better on the inside. You can even look at his PFF grades. I mean, 2019, he was a rookie. They weren't the best. But then in 2020, like you mentioned, that was his best season. He put up some decent PFF grades, you know, in the run blocking, pass blocking, started to go down in 2021, and then a transition move, you know, moving to right tackle where he played um, all but, I think, two games there last season. So he played right tackle last year, 343 snaps, 60 snaps at left guard, 20 at left tackle. I'm slacking like crazy. I had his first game against the Dolphins, you know, captured. I want to go through and show what he could do at right tackle, show a little about what he could do at left guard. But, um, you know, when you're going up against Jalen Phillips, you know, some of those highlights are going to stick out regardless because he's just who he is. But this is a depth signing. I don't think anybody should sit here and, you know, be worried that Isaiah Wynn could be the starting right tackle. But at the same time, I mean, if he goes to camp and proves that he's better than Austin Jackson, I mean, who are we to, you know, argue that, right? I mean, again, he had had some solid, he showed some solid stuff on tape when he was with New England. It's like you said, man, we were waiting for June 1st for the big money signings, you know, to get some of that cap space. This came before that, right? I mean, this was a relatively cheap signing. I'm interested to see the way it works out, but I don't think anybody should be upset or, you know, disappointed in who the Dolphins brought in because, again, any warm body, the more guys you have in there, I guess their way they're looking at it, right, is quality or quantity over quality, right? And with that, too, people are going to really throw their headset out of the window after listening to what I'm about to say. But, Josh, we spoke about Jesse Davis and what his strength with the team would have been. For me, and I think you agreed, it'd be as a spot starter. He had the flexibility to start anywhere on that offensive line. The second, the second he has to start two, three, four games and defenses have the opportunities to scheme and attack that weakest link, it is a disaster. But when you consider Austin Jackson, what started two games last year, Tron Armstead dealing with that toe injury, Isaiah Wynn has that flexibility to play left tackle if he needs to, play right tackle if he needs to. And I think it's easier to develop someone like that or have faith in someone who's doing that when they already have four years of experience in the league compared to Jarrett Horst, who is, what, that was his first taste of NFL football. So that is where I think the mindset is. And you see that more, a little bit more with Obwehi, who, Josh, in his career, he allowed 21 sacks since being drafted in 2015. 17 of those sacks came during his sophomore and junior seasons. That's about 25 games with the Cincinnati Bagels. Uh, 2017, he had 660 snaps at left tackle. And 20, did I say, excuse me, whatever. One year he had 660 snaps at left tackle. The other year he had 583 snaps at right tackle. He was a terrible full-time starter. However, he has played at least 275 snaps at right tackle in two of the last three seasons, and he has not allowed more than one sack in each of the last five years. Obviously, more opportunities means more opportunities to give up sacks, but at the same time, that speaks to the point of, hey, you don't need him to be an all-star. You don't need him to be a consistent stud on that offensive line. What you need is duct tape that's not going to explode two plays into a game. Yeah, and I mean, I'm... I don't know your thoughts on this. I do think I like the wind signing a lot more than the Cedric Obwehi. Yeah. Again, I'm so glad you have that written there. I'm going to keep saying it since I can. Um, 
played 286 snaps at right tackle last year um, for the Jets. 47.7 offensive PFF grade, 41.8 run block, and 57 pass block. So even on wins, you know, worst year last season, transitioning to right tackle, um, his grades look much better than what we see out of Obwehi. But again, I mean, he did have some relatively good starts throughout his career, you know, and I don't think the Dolphins brought him in here to do anything more than compete, maybe prove that he can, you know, stick on the roster and be that backup. I guess my thing is I wonder what Brandon Shell's asking for, right? I mean, we can sit here and say that, um, I mean, I'm not saying Brandon Shell was great last year, right? But when he came into the the uh, when he was yeah. in the lineup, I mean, he looked okay, right? Looked solid. I would have much rather had him, I guess, in Obwehi. But again, the Dolphins they have a plan in place. Who knows? They might even sign another tackle or guard. You know, when they get that June first money. But Dolphin fans shouldn't be upset about this after what they again they did in the draft. And like we mentioned before, these two veterans have been around. And if they have their mind right, are definitely better than those undrafted acorns that the Dolphins cut after one day of seeing them. Ryan Hayes, Miami's seventh round pick, is like six months younger than Austin Jackson. Six months younger than Crazy. Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson was a 2020 draft pick. When when I look at someone like Oboyhi, I think of who can be that perfect mentor for Austin Jackson on that right side. You don't have to be the best player to be the best teacher. And you look at someone who's been in the league since 2015, someone who can come in and show like what that daily expectation is each and every day inside the locker room, uh, outside on the practice field. That is where I really see this. I don't think there's what, Josh, what would you put the percentage that both of these guys make the roster combined? Yeah. Um, you know, 5%, right. If that, I, I they're going to get rid of one of them, I'd imagine. Exactly. So that's kind of the thing here. Just you're working with guys who just have that experience. And I think there's so much you can lean with them. Uh, something about a boy he that's a little interesting that I just want to bring up real quick. He was actually signed re-signed by the Jets this offseason. Uh, but then they signed a tackle with their fourth round pick and they had to bring in Billy Turner to um, complete um, Aaron Rodgers uh, wish list, which Dude, I don't know about you. The first time I was watching, I think, Sunday Night Football, and I saw Billy Turner's face pop up that he was the starting tackle for the Green Bay Packers, my mind exploded because I never thought that would come after we saw him uh, have to start one game at left tackle, get torched, and then I think he was cut the next day. Uh, so that's why, oh boy, he has a little bit of a wavy history. It's it's kind of hard to uh, imagine that a team would sign someone and then say, no, we want to sign other guys instead, but here we are. Uh, Josh, Oh boy, he would you put his chance of making the roster? I mean, I'd I'd go like thirty percent, something like that. I, it's an uphill battle, but I see the vision of another veteran piece. Yeah, I, I mean, I again, I think I like the win signing more. And when you look at his contract, I mean, he almost seems like the Dolphins are planning to have him here next year. So yeah, thirty percent sounds good to me. Um, maybe the whole Billy Turner situation is why we do see the Dolphins giving some of these younger guys, you know, a longer leash because we all wanted that Billy Turner. You know, we all wanted him gone. And like you mentioned, he's still hanging around. He's now going to be the starter most likely uh, with the Jets. He was one of those names on uh, Aaron Rodgers' wish list. So, yeah, man, 30% chance, I guess, for Obwehi. And then I, what would you say Isaiah win? I'm going to just be cliche and say 69% because that's, you know, above yeah. 50. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I've. I think Wynn's going to stick around. And you mentioned the mentorship at the same time, just bringing in these guys to compete. That's going to push Austin Jackson as well. Right. I mean, he's in a contract year. Um, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So Austin Jackson's got to play the best football of his career this season, regardless of, you know, what he's done prior. And, you know, maybe this new coach will get the most out of him, but um, I, I think we can all agree what we've seen out of Austin Jackson. The first few seasons was not good, not good enough to start, not good enough to protect to his blind side. 
and bringing in more competition. A guy like Isaiah Wynn, who has has experience, can't be a bad thing. He's struggled with those injuries. I think we mentioned, I think his rookie year, he tore his ACL and missed the entire year. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think there is such value in this de- these depth signings. And I think this is the time in free agency where you can kind of sneak away with some interesting opportunities to uh, get some added value. And above all else, we were waiting for the Byron Jones money. The fact you can make these moves and uh, and just build your roster without waiting for that Byron Jones money is just so, so important. But Josh... That's enough offensive lineman talk for at least right now. Let's transition. Let's talk a little bit about rookie mini camps, which happened Friday through Sunday. We got our first taste of Miami's group of rookies. Um, and we thought it'd just be fun to kind of share one uh, quote from each guy that we kind of liked. And I'll start with Cam Smith here. Uh, and he basically came out and he acknowledged the elephant of the room. I've heard a lot of people say it. I know it. I've come into the right position being under two all pro corners dudes that are the highest paid at their position. Dudes that have done stuff the right way, just being underneath them and picking their brains every day is going to be big. Josh, how have we kind of undervalued the opportunity that Cam Smith is going to have, not only to kind of lean on these guys, but also learn from them and, and kind of see how it's done for a couple of years as Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey are approaching that scary uh, th- 30 years old mark? Yeah, I definitely think we probably take it for granted a little bit. And we all saw a cornerback go. We all wondered what the heck's going on. But when you look around the league, I mean, Philly does it better than anyone drafting position needs that they're going to have later down the road and, you know, grooming that next guy. So to have Cam Smith able to having Cam Smith to be able to learn under Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, two of the best corners in all of football um, is going to mean the world to him. And I don't think the Dolphins have to get him out there right away. I think like we saw last season with Ezukoma, Channing Tindall, they can sit here and take their time with these guys. But Cam Smith is a player that when you put on the tape, I mean, he's gritty as hell and he's going to be ready to go, I think, you know, sooner rather than later. So I love that they're going to, he's going to be able to learn from them. Can't even, you got to talk about Vic Fangio and what he's going to mean, right? To that secondary and that defense altogether. But um, I loved what I saw, you know, the little few little videos going around of Cam Smith wearing that number 24, Sean Smith style. Uh, you know, he's the swag he had, it seemed, and the way he plays the game, you know, just up in your face, that type of, you know, mentality. So, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a big, it's going to help Cam Smith a lot learning under those guys and Vic Fangio and company. And uh, we had, uh, Brian Cat NFL on uh, Dolphins Detail recently, and he spoke about uh, Cam Smith, and his biggest weakness tends to be when he doesn't have his eyes on the quarterback. When he has his back to the play, that's when he gets a little panicky. So seeing him in this Vic Fangio zone defense where he's going to have opportunities uh, to attack over the middle of the field, I think that's going to be pretty exciting. One final note, Josh, and and please let me know if you disagree. Mike Clay, uh, ESPN's Mike Clay, ranked Miami's group of cornerbacks as the best in the NFL. Any, any discussion there? Or we just send it in. It sounds good. Yeah, send it in. I mean, they didn't even bring up safeties, right? Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, this group of safeties we have. They could just say secondary, best secondary football if they want. But, yeah, there was no gripes there out of me. And, um, yeah, I would have been upset if they was number two. I know Jets fans were real upset about that. Josh, you actually wrote for the Finsider recently about Devon Achain. So why don't you go ahead and share this uh, quote that he had when speaking with the media? Yeah, I was at a family thing and I saw that, you know, the transcripts came out and I tried to piece one together that seemed 
awesome. I mean, I got a little bit of goosebumps reading it. He said, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of, so my size doesn't matter. I feel like I can play. I'm great on special teams. I can catch the ball out of the backfield. I have very good hands. I can line up at wide receiver. I can do more than just play running back. That's what makes me different. And that came when people asked him about his size. Some are comparing him to Darren Sproles. I don't know your thoughts on that, Jake, but um, Darren Sproles was a hell of a player for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they asked him, you know, what stands out between him and the other guys in this running back room. So he can do it all. We see him running back a 96-yard touchdown kickoff return against Alabama. You can see that highlight by just going on Twitter. Everyone's posted that by now. You mentioned that being the best way to get him out in the field early. But again, I think what makes him so, you know, so dynamic is his ability to not only come out of the backfield, uh, you know, as a ball carrier, but he, what he can bring to the passing game as well. And we hope that Tua Tagovailoa has learned from past mistakes. We'll check down in those situations. But getting his type of speed on the outside, yes, we have Raheem Mostert, but this guy's a track star, and he uh, he's going to bring that different dynamic of speed. And I'm excited to see the way the Miami Dolphins plan to utilize him. And two, so. Speaking about how to utilize them, and one of the biggest questions I have is how do you have a change of pace back when everyone's going the same speed? Everybody's just super fast. But I'm so excited to see Miami and, and hopefully Mike McDaniel encourage Tua to pass to the running backs a little bit more. We saw Mike Kosicki have 50 targets last year. Obviously, he's gone. I hope that's just kind of dinking and dunking to the running backs a little bit. And, and Josh, I want to ask, let's put the over-under at four and a half. How many games would you say Devon A-Chain starts for the Miami Dolphins? starts man i i mean that's kind of a technical term right as long as he's the first back out there on the field does he that counts as starting correct isn't that how it works um exactly just the first play that's yeah. all you need Let, let's go over let's go over what the hell i mean i i think it's a loaded room i mean if they bring in dalvin cook that number is going to change but yeah i'll go over with that and jake another thing that he mentioned in this he's a track star he didn't really have time to build on that weight he said he's playing at the heaviest he's been now 193 i think he's at so he's a guy that's smaller but he's going to be able to lower the boom a little bit too he mentioned how his uh, you know, his height, a lot of people think that's, you know, a negative, but some of those guys, the defenders can't really see him behind that offensive line. And then he kind of just sprinkles out. So, um, yeah, I'll go over with four and a half. What about you, man? I think I'm going to agree with you just because um, if Raheem Mostert is forced to miss games, I do think they'll go in a route where A-Chain would start, and I think Jeff Wilson would still be that second running back. I could be wrong. We did see Wilson start for them um, in the postseason, so who knows? It's up in the air. Uh, but, man, this running back room is going to be so fun to watch in the preseason, and, and A-Chain's going to have the opportunity to make some big plays. And I think one of the biggest things this Dolphins offense yet. Yeah, uh, lacked was yak i think they were actually near the bottom of the league in terms of yak last year and a chain kind of replacing those targets as mike gasicki someone who kind of fell over like that baby deer um when he was near a defender i i do think he might be able to shake a few more uh, tackles and break free and as a result you know the defense has got to defend the sidelines and then you can attack the middle of the field and continue that chess match of just frustrating opposing defenses yeah and i think that's a lot of why you know mike mcdaniel saw him i mean i mentioned him kind of being a younger version of Raheem Mostert when I saw him playing. I mean, we know how much Mike McDaniel loves Raheem Mostert. So he was begging the table for this pick, excited to see what can come of that. Another pick I'm excited to see that can come of it is um, Elijah Higgins, Stanford wide receiver, obviously going to transition to tight end. You have down this quote, and I mean, as soon as I saw it, I had to say, you know, he's the next George Kittle confirmed. Um, we know there's only one George Kittle, but he said, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Kittle tape. Obviously, he was there with the 49ers. Then I'm going to watch the guys here in this system that we run, seeing how they do it and emulating that. Um, you know, I'm excited for this Elijah Higgins pick. I Again, we loved all sorts of tight ends in this class. I don't know why the Dolphins decided to go this route, but when you turn on the tape, you can see him being that, you know, 
slot type, the big bodied slot type wide receiver that Mike Kosicki was. We see him developing as a, a blocker. You can see he can do a little bit of that. So you turn on that George Kittle tape, that's what you're going to see, right? A guy that's mean in the run game, um, pass protection, things like that. And that's what we want to see from this tight end group. I mean, we talked about how important it is uh, for these guys to be able to do a little bit of everything. We already know Higgins can catch the ball. Let's see what this tape and this transition under John Embry, who, again, we talked about on a previous pod, was his favorite coach, I think Higgins said, throughout the entire draft process, meeting with any team. So um, what were your thoughts, man, when you heard that he was watching the George Kittle tape? And I guess overall, what are your thoughts on Elijah Higgins? So it does really seem like the same like a sicky situation where you're forcing a big slot to kind of come in line and be that tight end. I think it's very different when you're not paying that guy on the franchise tag. And I think there's going to be a lot less um, uh, media coverage about it and, and analyzing every single play and every single snap just because it's a sixth round pick. Uh, but just for a little perspective and maybe what Mike McDaniel saw, uh, he was in the slot 79% of the time but he was a blocker 35% of the time. He was still out there blocking. And Josh, something I think we saw last year, somebody who's not on this team anymore, Trent Sherfield, his ability to block down the field. If Elijah Higgins can be that guy who can block down the field or just be in the way down the field, something I think Mike Kosicki struggled a little bit with, that is where the game changing really comes into play and where he can really make a name for himself. He, however, it's going to be a long road and I think there's going to be some ugly moments in the preseason. Uh, he was... 2% of his plays were in line, just 2%. Otherwise, he's a big slatter out wide. Uh, that Stanford offense wasn't the flashiest. Uh, despite that, he still caught 59 of 82 targets for 704 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, zero pressures allowed in those blocking snaps as well. And that, to me, is where you start to get the uh, gears turning a little bit, what the opportunities he can have um, in this offense, especially, man, because you look at this group, I don't think anyone else in that tight end room really can do exactly what Higgins can do as a receiver, even a blocking threat downfield. So it's really going to boil down to, as an inline defender, can the Miami Dolphins trust him? And that will be a huge wait-and-see thing, um, at least for a few more months. Yeah, and like any of these guys, I mean – he was a sixth round pick, right? So they don't really have to force him out there too early. Um, you mentioned that Stanford offense. I was a little surprised the way they utilized him. I think he led the team last year in receptions and yards. He was catching bubble screens and, you know, doing some end around. So obviously if you're running a bubble screen in Miami, you're probably throwing it to Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kaler. And now, you know, maybe Devon a chain, but I thought it was interesting the way they utilized him. Like he was, you know, their most dynamic playmaker. So interested to see how he can transition and how he can become more of an inline, you know, tight end, but you know, maybe the Dolphins see him as that big slot. Then they're going to utilize him the exact same way that they tried to Mike Kosicki, but time will tell. And like you mentioned um, that tight end room, you know, they're throwing so many bodies in there and veterans and things kind of like we we're talking about earlier on the offensive line. It's going to be hard for Higgins to see the field early on, but um, you know, all it takes is one awesome catching camp or, you know, getting the lingo down and the scheme down and we can see him sooner than later. One-handed catch in the back corner of the end zone, just the Mike Kosicki play, basically. That's all he needs to do. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, effectively using him doesn't mean he has to be the next George Kittle. George Kittle's 2018 season included 88 receptions on 136 targets for 1,377 yards and five touchdowns. Two of those right there would be franchise records for an entire room of tight ends for the Miami Dolphins. If we want to talk about tight ends, yards per route run since 2009, three of the top five are George Kittle. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there just for the idea of you don't need the next George Kittle. This team has Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell each getting 100 plus targets. Maximizing and using these guys efficiently does not mean he's a maniac with his hair on fire. 
no disrespect, that's actually a compliment for someone like George Kittle. Josh, Miami's last signing at pick 238, round seven, Ryan Hayes, Michigan tackle. Um, he was keeping it pretty simple when he was speaking with the media. He said, I'm going to start learning the playbook, every position, and do what the coaches tell me day to day and keep working that way. He also spoke about that wide zone, which wide zone is just such a fun, like it's like a media click word it's turning into, like RPO was. Now it's wide zone. Um, he said he definitely knows the concept. We ran it at Michigan at practice all the time. We didn't run it much, but I do have a good concept of outside zone. And this last day, I've learned a lot already. So, Josh, it's a good sign that he wasn't kicked out the door with those uh, three undrafted guys. So he must already be a step ahead. Yeah, and you wonder if they didn't draft him with the seventh round pick, if he would have, you know, been one of those guys kicked out right away. I'm, I'm just kidding. He's a Michigan man, so we know how much Stephen Ross probably wants him around. But um, he's a guy that I think we all agree, you know, prop. I mean, I don't remember what we said on previous pod. Did we call him a long shot to make the roster? I don't remember. Um, probably but like a it, practice squad guy at the very exactly. Right? Yeah, and I think you mentioned he probably would fit better at guard, so maybe that's something we can see down the road. But yeah, man, I mean, these guys are coming in early on in camp, just learning the system. He's already had a little bit of familiarity with the wide zone, but um, I don't think I expect too much out of Ryan Hayes. I made a joke. It was some like heavy guy doing parkour. And I was like, this is Ryan Hayes yes. trying to make the Dolphins roster. Um, you know, when you turn on the tape, you see some good, you see some bad, but that's with any of these guys. He was one Michigan's yep. offensive line. That was one of the best offensive lines in football, I think, uh, in the entire country for the past two years. So um, I, I guess I'm interested to see what he can become, what he can develop. Um, but I think we're both agree as a practice squad guy. And um, I don't expect too much out of Ryan Hayes. Ryan Hayes, another guy who will gain so much value. Isaiah Wynn, Cedric Obwehi, guys too you can just learn from. And, and maybe that's all someone like Ryan Hayes needs to take that next step and be that next story of the seventh round pick becoming that everyday starter. Uh, we've reached that point in the offseason, Josh. It is the dead time. We have reached it. It's getting really slow uh, later this, but we have the content coming. If you still want to talk Dolphins football, if you're maniacs like us, we do have the content coming later this week. Merrick will join us and we're going to talk about some players with the most to gain in training camp coming up May 22 through June 2nd. There are some OTAs and then there's a mandatory mini camp June 6th through 8th. So we'll get some more notes there. And then teams report to training camp in late July. Basically, Josh, what I'm trying to get at is sounds like it's book club season. Yeah, man, we got to bring back our book club. I mean, I think we penned, you know, we talked about Zach Sealer before he was, I don't want to say popular, but a lot of people love him now. Um, we said Kalen Balazs was booty cheeks before a lot of people as well. Um, and the Dolphins now, with all this stuff coming up, we're starting to see some of that media, you know, start to leak. We saw Tua Tungvaloa throw a beautiful spiral to Chosen Anderson that everyone's sitting there running with, you know, loving, uh, eating it up. So, yeah, man, dead part of the season, but not for us. We're going to be on here as much as we can talking about the team we love until you know no one wants to listen to us anymore <laughs> that day will never come and we are just a few months away from the season man we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there book club i think we're gonna start with jalen ramsey that linebacker in a corner that cornerback in a linebacker's body and go from there probably end with Tua, just because that'll be the biggest one and the most fun going into training camp but for now thank you so much for listening to another dolphins podcast that's all we got we'll talk to you next time but until then fins up Bins up. The greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins.